Shalom, Holy Scriptures and Israel is a ministry designed to share with the Jewish people the good news of the Lord Jesus Yeshua the Messiah and to instruct Christians on the Jewish roots of their faith. And now, teaching God's Word from a Hebrew Messianic perspective, here is Gideon Levitam. Shalom, my dear friends and dear brothers and sisters. We are so blessed to be able to continue with the study of the book of 1 Corinthians. And we have arrived to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. And if you have your Bibles with you, will you please open your Bibles and let us read the 13 verses that are found in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. And I'm reading from verse 1. Shaul Paul continues in his addressing the questions that the Corinthians sent him. So he's responding to them. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, 9, and 10 are really chapters that are linked together. And in these three chapters, beloved friend, Paul deals with four basic principles that should guide all believers in making personal decisions about questionable areas in the life of the believers, in the life of the ones who are following the Lord Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah. So listen to what we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 13. Now as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge, knowledge puff up, but love edifieth. And if any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing, yet as he ought to know. But if any man love God, the same is known of him. As concerning, therefore, the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world, and that there is none other God but one. For though there be that are called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, as there be gods many and lords many, But to us there is but one God, the Father of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. Howbeit there is not in every man that knowledge. For some with conscience of the idol, unto this hour eat it as a thing offered unto an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. But meat or food commendeth us not to God, for neither if we eat are we better, Neither if we eat not are we the worse. But take heed, 
lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. For if any man see thee, which has knowledge, sit at meat or to eat in the idol's temple, shall not the conscience of him which is weak be uh, emboldened to eat those things which are offered to idols? And through thy knowledge shall the weak brother perish, for whom Christ died, for whom Mashiach died. But when ye sin so against the brethren, and wound their weak conscience, ye sin against Christ, against Mashiach. Wherefore, if food, if meat, make my brother to offend, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend. And beloved brothers and sisters, I will stop here with this interesting 8th chapter of 1st Corinthians, where the Apostle Paul is now continues to address the questions that the believers at Corinth have sent unto him. Uh, to remind you, beloved brothers and sisters, that we have mentioned already earlier that Paul received from the Corinthians questions that he was responding, chapter 7. In verse 1 we read, Now concerning the things whereof ye wrote unto me. So they wrote unto him letter, and he's responding to their questions that they wrote in that letter. In the same 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 25, we did read where the apostle Shaul Paul said, Now concerning virgins, notice he's dealing with things concerning which they wrote him. In chapter 8, where we are now, he says, Now as touching or as concerning things offered unto idols. And then later on in chapter 12, in verse 1, he will say, now concerning spiritual gifts. And then, of course, in chapter 16 and verse 1, he will continue and give them that uh, final chapter there, now concerning the collection for the saints. So the apostle, Shaul Paul, is responding to the questions that the Corinthians Ask him in the letter that they have sent unto him. First Corinthians seven one. Now concerning the things whereof ye wrote unto me. So here we have arrived to the eighth chapter. Very very interesting because in chapter eight nine and ten, as I have already made a point uh, to mention, in these three chapters, the apostle is really dealing, beloved brothers and sisters, a combination of necessities of every one of us, every believer, to understand that there are certain principles that should guide all believers as we are making personal decisions about questionable areas in the life of God's people here upon the face of this earth. And uh, there are many things that rise up in the life of God's people. To remind you, 
that when God gave our forefathers, the Jewish people, the nation of Israel, the Torah, the law on Mount Sinai, God gave strict instruction concerning certain things, what to eat, what not to eat. Certain food that Israel could eat, certain food that Israel could not eat. Certain clothing that the Jewish people are to wear, certain clothing that they are not to wear. God gave strict instruction concerning certain things that Israel could do and also could not do. Thou shalt and thou shalt not. Also, of course, there were some areas, there were gray areas, which there was not specific instruction as God gave to Israel. For example, they command to keep the Shabbat day holy unto the Lord. You remember? In Exodus chapter 20, that was very clear. So, God gave to Israel, through Moshe, the command to keep that Shabbat day holy unto the Lord. Let me remind you, verse 8 of Exodus chapter 20, Remember the Shabbat day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is a Shabbat of the Lord thy God, in it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy maidservant, nor thy maidenservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger, that within thy gates. For six days the Lord thy God made the heaven and earth, that in the sea, and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Shabbat day, and he hallowed it. In other words, God gave the Shabbat day to the people of Israel as part of the covenant that he made with Israel, as a sign of the covenant that Israel was to keep the Shabbat day. And he told them that they are not to work, but, beloved brothers and sisters, there are not, not too many details as to how to keep the Shabbat day. And therefore, because of this, the spiritual leaders of Israel in Jewish history developed various ways in which the Shabbat is to be kept, but sadly, much of it have gone beyond what God had intended. It had been said that there are some 1,500 commandments as to how to keep one day, what to do, how to do, what to carry, what not to carry, and so on. There are many things that are even gone beyond what God had intended for his own people, Israel. And therefore, if you remember, when Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, was here upon the face of this earth, he had continuous issue with the Pharisees, with the spiritual leaders of Israel, the Sadducees, with respect to the Shabbat day, what one allowed to do, what one is not allowed to do. And therefore, you could see that they have gone beyond what God had intended uh, when he gave this command in Exodus chapter 20. Well, it is very much similar in the history of the church. There are many, many clear instructions that have been given to the assembly, to the heavenly company, to the church during this church age. But there are also, beloved brothers and sisters, many areas in the life of God's people here on earth, that is the church, the true assembly, the true believers, the called out ones. And there are certain things that are not necessarily given to us any clear instruction in the word of God. So here is where the apostle Shaul Paul is responding to the question that was asked 
by the Corinthians as they send him that letter. And in this eight chapter, in fact, we can link it together, chapter 8, chapter 9, chapter 10. These three chapters, Paul deal with these four principles that should guide every true believer in Yeshua HaMashiach as he or she making personal decision about questionable areas and situation in the life of each one of these believers. An area of the food, what we can eat, what we cannot. An area of smoking, should a believer smoke cigarette or not? An area of going to the movies, should a believer go to the movies? Which movies? Where? What kind of movies? Should he watch movies? What about drinking? Drinking wine or not drinking wine? What can a believer do? Politics, should a believer vote? Or should he not? After all, if Yeshua is the king, the ruler, the lord of the, the head of the assembly, should a believer even vote in this world? Well, some say yes, some say no. no. What about involving in politics even? As believers who live here on earth, should believers even be elected to be a mayor? Uh, something here in this world, a prime minister, a president? What about um, watching television? Should a believer watch television? Yes or no? What about keeping a day? Should one keep this day or that day? We don't have any particular thou shall keep Sunday in the scripture. We only have the, the guidelines that we can see that on the resurrection day, the believers gathered together, met together to... Remember Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, in his death, burial, and resurrection. But there's not the command, thou shalt keep Sunday. In Israel's history, God gave a command, the Shabbat day will be a day of rest for the people of Israel. But for the church, for the assembly, there is not any particular day that God said in the New Testament, in the Brit HaChadashah, thou shalt keep that day or that day. We don't have that. But there are certain questions uh, that existing, you know, in countries, believers meet on Friday because of they live in a Muslim world. In other countries, like in Israel, believers meet on Shabbat on Saturday because it's the day that they are free from work, like in a Muslim world, that they are free from work on that day. So believers need to learn to adapt their uh, situation into their way of living here. What about for women to wear makeup, uh, should they, or were they allowed, shouldn't, how much, and so on. What about uh, going to a pool or, or bathing with men and women together? What about other areas? There are so many areas in the life of the believers, and that's why the apostle wisely is giving some basic principles that should guide all believers as all believers need to make day-by-day decisions in their lives. And you will notice, if you know other believers, other believers in the Lord Jesus, the Messiah today, that not everyone see eye to eye on everything. In fact, some completely have a different view, and yet both love the Lord Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah, and seek to live for Him. And so, beloved brothers and sisters, the principles that we can see that the Apostle Shaul Paul is teaching are mainly four principles. Principle number one, and that is found in chapter 8 of 1 Corinthians, that knowing things, knowledge, must 
always be balanced with love. In other words, when we know the things of God, when we know truths that God revealed to us, even if we have knowledge more than others, our knowledge always has to be balanced by love, in acting in love, and not to say, well, I know that it's about this thing, about this truth, and I don't have any problem with doing this, that, or the other. Well, we might have knowledge, but we need to always have this balance in acting upon that knowledge in love towards others, because others might not have the same knowledge. This is what we will learn in chapter 8. In chapter 9, and the whole chapter when we have the privilege of having authority, it always must be balanced by discipline. We need to discipline ourselves. Even if we have the freedom because we have the authority, we always have to be disciplining ourselves and not to abuse the authority that we have. Then in chapter 10, it's the third basic principle in verses 1 to 22 that experience must be balanced by caution. We might have experience that others do not have. But by having experience, it doesn't give us license to be careless. And therefore, God's people who have experience must balance their experience with being careful and caution because we can easily stumble and fall and dishonor the Lord. And finally, the fourth basic principle is found in chapter 10, verse 23 to the end, to verse 33 of 1 Corinthians. Freedom must be balanced by responsibility. And even though we might have freedom to do certain things that others don't have that same freedom, we still need to balance that with the responsibility towards others, because both knowledge, authority, experience, and freedom must be balanced with love, discipline, caution, and responsibility, beloved brothers and sisters. Here's a verse that Apostle Shaul Paul wrote to the Roman believers in Romans chapter 14. Notice what he's saying in Romans chapter 14, to the Roman believers, in verse 1 and 2, Him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful disputation. For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Notice in chapter 15 of the book of Romans, verses 1, 2, and 3, we then that are strong are to bear the infirmities of the weak, and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Mashiach, Christos, Christ, please not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproach thee fell upon me. You notice that Paul is dealing with the weak and the strong. He is dealing with the one that have liberty and the one that doesn't. And he is very careful to emphasize the necessity that knowledge and authority and experience and freedom are to be balanced with love, discipline, caution, and responsibility. There is Another verse in the following chapter of 1 Corinthians, in chapter 9, 
in verse 22, we read, it says, To the weak became I as weak, Shaul Paul said, that I might gain the weak. I made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. Paul, Shaul Paul, was a balanced believer in our Lord Yeshua HaMashiach, in our Lord Jesus the Messiah. So, beloved brothers and sisters, in the body of Christ, in the body of Messiah, among the believers, we have the strong believers and we have the weak believers. And Paul is addressing the strong believers who have knowledge and have experience and have authority and have freedom. And so the strong must always care for the weak. This is an amazing, amazing principle that we all need to adapt in our life. How wonderful if we will be able to do so in a practical way. Just think about it. When you first became believers in Yeshua HaMashiach, how you were so thankful when you needed guidance and help and patience from a one person that have gone already before you many years who have been walking with the Lord and we needed their counsel. I remember in my own life, there was a brother that was so gracious to with the many, many questions that I, as a Jewish believer in Yeshua, in my Messiah, he helped me to learn certain things by allowing me to ask and answering to me graciously and not being harsh and being understanding that I am just a new believer and need to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of Yeshua the Messiah. In First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 14, Shaul Paul said, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, a comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, and be patient toward all men. That reminds us of our Mashiach, our Messiah Jesus, who was the one that he never bruised, or a bruised reed he did not break, and a smoking flax he did not completely turn it off. But he lifted up when he saw some light, he saw some desire to grow by any who was around him in the land of Israel when Yeshua was here upon the face of this earth. How wonderful he was the one that giving a light to those that wanted to know more and healing the broken hearted. That's the Messiah Jesus as our example, a beloved brothers and sisters. What a wonderful thing it is for us to learn. So let's go over these verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 13. Knowledge must be balanced by love, beloved brothers and sisters. That's the theme that we have here in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Knowing knowledge must be balanced by love towards God's people and towards anyone. If you have knowledge, Knowledge about God, knowledge of the Word, knowledge in your day-by-day living. You are to walk with the Lord and to please the Lord. It must be always balanced by love, acting in the right way, in gracious love towards others who might not have the same knowledge that you have. And so, beloved brothers and sisters, when we think about the Corinthians, you remember that the Corinthians, they came out of the, of paganism. Corinth. Uh, it was a city that was filled with idolatry, with sexual immorality, 
and there was a terrible state of the whole Roman Empire in general, but there was specifically Corinthians were known to be idolaters, as we have read already in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, where we did read that fornication, idolaters, and adulterers, and effeminates, and abusers of themselves with mankind, thieves, covetous, drunkards, and revilers, extortioners, shall not inherit the kingdom of God, and such were some of you, Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9, 10, and 11. So he said, but now you are washed, but you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of our Lord Jesus, our Lord Yeshua, and by the Spirit of our God. So right now they became part of the assembly, but, beloved brothers and sisters, they still live in Corinth. And life in Corinth continue on. So there were two sources of purchasing meat, food, food and purchase meat in the city of Corinth. So we find out that one of those was uh, there that was in a, in a regular market where you are going to the market and you buy food from the, the, the people who sell there. You know, you don't know what, where this food comes from, whether it is meat that came from a cow or from a chicken, or whether it is all kind of food that was flour and all kind of food, vegetables, fruits. You don't know where they come from, but you're going to the market like we go today in the world, wherever we are, going to the store, going to the market, going to to the supermarket and purchasing various kind of food. We don't know where it comes from. So a regular market where you can purchase food for yourself. But also because there was so much paganism and idol worship in the city of Corinth, there was another way whereby you can purchase food and meat in particular a little bit cheaper and that would be at the temple market. In other words, when you would go by the temples, various temples, to this idol and to this idol, well, when the sacrifices that they offered to those idols they were offered, and then they would sell them meat, the food that was offered initially, or at least dedicated to their idols, they would offer that for sale to the people who would come to that temple market. So, you can just see that the, a more expensive place to purchase food and meat would be at a regular market at the center of the city. But then there will be that local temples around, and there they, you could purchase certain food, a certain meat that was offered to idols, but it will be less expensive. So again, here are believers who now need to live their lives, so what should they do? Will they go to the regular market and purchase their food, their meat there? Or can they go to the temple market and purchase the food, the meat there? At the regular market, it will be a higher cost. At the pagan temples market, it will be lower because it's like, you know, there it was offered to an idol, and therefore they would sell it a little bit cheaper in order to help the poor and the needy in that city. So there were two views in that local assembly in Corinth, just the same like there is two views in various church groups, congregation groups, assembly groups about everything, almost every area. There are various views 
and the majority go one way, another group go one way, and if we have the mind of the Lord, we know how to handle one another, to help one another to make a decision. Well, beloved brothers and sisters, what we find out here that there was a potential for divisions among the Corinthian believers because of these issues. Again, to remind you that we have already read 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, concerning the things whereof I wrote, you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. So you see, there was an issue. How do we, what do we do? Are we staying single? Uh, am I getting married? So there were various views. Is it more spiritual to stay single? Is it more spiritual to get married? And here we have in chapter 8, uh, concerning these things that are mentioned here, the things that are offered unto idols. What do we do? There was a potential for divisions among the people of God, and therefore the leaders wrote to Shaul Paul for his counsel and advice concerning the things that there was questions among the believers in the local assembly at Corinth, such as marriage, such as eating food offered to idols, such as the gift of the Spirit, such as offerings that were given to the money and what to give and, and how to give and so on. All these were questions that oftentimes brought divisions among God's people. It is something that causing divisions today among God's people, and it will not end, but the believers are called to be Balance in everything that we do if we are going to be pleasing unto the Lord. Knowledge must be balanced by love, we have here in the 8th chapter. So, what Paul is doing here, beloved brothers and sisters, Paul is pointing out to three things that the Corinthians need to bear in mind. Number one, in verses one and two, he's pointing to the truth of knowledge, knowing certain things, knowing the things of the Lord more than others. Number two, in verses three to six, Paul is pointing to the necessity of love towards one another. And number three, in verses seven to 13, Paul is pointing to the necessity to realize that everyone has a conscience. Conscience, in Hebrew, the word is matzpun. A conscience is that which guides us in our own life. This is very important that Apostle Paul is emphasizing the conscience. Conscience is the, the it's almost like a, an internal court in our hearts where our actions are being judged and either approved or condemned. In other words, it is an internal court we have in our own soul, that is our conscience, that is really there where we are conscious either bothering us or not bothering us. Either we are free or not free. And that's why the apostle Shaul Paul is dealing and explaining to the Corinthians about conscience. So knowledge, how to handle the knowledge that we have, First Corinthians 8 verses 1 and 2. Then, how to relate in love to one another, 1 Corinthians 8, verses 3 to 6. And thirdly, how to deal with the conscience that each and every one of us have in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 7 to 13. And so, notice that 
he used that word we know. Uh, he used that word a, a few times. In verse 1, Now as touching things offered unto idols, we know. Notice that? We know he's mentioning there. Notice a bit later in verse 4, Concerning therefore the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols, we know. You notice once again he used this expression, we know. In other words, again, he's assuming that the Corinthians also are aware of these things and they know that, at least some of them, ought to know that as well. And therefore he's emphasizing, using this word, we know, we know, we know. And so beautiful here how he is addressing the questions that the Corinthians ask of him. So notice, beloved brothers and sisters, in verses 1 and 2, he's specifically dealing with knowledge. And let me read these first two verses. Again, 1 Corinthians 8, verses 1 and 2, Now as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge, Knowledge puffeth up, but love edifieth. And if any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing, yet as he ought to know. How many times he used the word to know, to know, to know. So in verse 1, Paul is warning the Corinthians that knowledge is we are we are in danger if we have knowledge we are in danger to be proud and puff up because we know oh yes we know we have read the scripture we have learned many things from the word we have some experience so we know more than others who were just born again just accepted the messiah just a few days ago just today and so he's saying he's begin notice what he says in verse one of first uh, corinthians chapter eight knowledge puffs up he says, now concerning things that are offered unto idols, here I'm going to deal with the things that are offered unto idols. And then he leave it for a moment and he says, we know that we all have knowledge. Every one of us have knowledge or a measure of knowledge. But then you have to realize that knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. So you might have a, a higher measure of knowledge than another brother or another sister, Therefore, you must be careful because knowledge had an inclination, knowing more than others, have an inclination to cause us to be proud and arrogant. And Paul is giving this warning to the Corinthians. Just a verse in Romans 15, verse 14, And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with, the, with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. So you have knowledge and you need to admonish one another, but you have to bear in mind that there is a danger in knowing more than others because there is an inclination to cause you to be proud and to be puffed up. There is a verse in Second Corinthians chapter 6 as well. And there we read, listen, verse 6, By pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering. Paul is there showing the experiences that he has gone through in his ministry. I was 
able and I sought to deal with others uh, by pureness and by knowledge and by long-suffering. And so Paul is mentioning this to the Corinthians as he is dealing now uh, with things, is touching the things concerning to animals that were offered unto idols. And so he continued, beloved, in his saying, you must be careful because you are in danger to be proud if you be occupied with your knowledge more than others, the liberty that you have more than others. Be careful, knowledge puff up, but love is the way whereby we can edify and build up one another. Sending there is going to verse 2, if one thing that he knows anything, if you are proud, he's saying to the Corinthians, any of you, verse 2, if any man think that he knows anything, really he knows nothing, yet is he ought to know. If you think that you know everything and it causes you to be proud and arrogant and and thinking that you are superior than your brother and your sister in the local assembly at Cohen, you have to realize that knowledge, in reality, it puffs you up, and it is really it doesn't ultimately benefit you because you really do not know nothing if you don't have an attitude of love and concern towards your brothers and sisters who might have less knowledge than you. There's a verse in Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24, where we read, Notice, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. God said this to Israel, to our forefathers, many, many years ago, just during the time when there was the captivity by the Babylonian, and that's what brought about the judgment of God upon our forefathers, because there was that arrogant and pride, and therefore that's the same thing that can bring down and brought down many times a judgment of God upon the professing uh, church. And notice that. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might, let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorious glories in this, that he understandeth, listen, and that he knoweth me. Here's the knowledge to know me, that I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. In these things I delight, saith the Lord. God delight when God's people who may have knowledge but their knowledge they give to God the glory and they use their knowledge for the benefit of God's glory and man's blessing. And so in verses 1 and 2, beloved brothers and sisters, Paul emphasizes the importance of balancing knowledge and recognizing Corinthians don't assume now we are dealing with things that are offered unto idols. Don't assume that if some of you have more knowledge about the reality of who these uh, idols are and what they are, and others have their conscience trouble them, you make sure that you do not pride yourself because knowledge puffs up, but love is edifying. And now he's moving from verse 3 
to verse 6, and Shaul Paul is now speaking about love and knowledge. Love in relationship to one's knowledge. This is so beautiful. See, love is an unconditional care for others, caring for others, seeking their welfare, not trying to force them into one thing or another. The Lord Jesus, the Messiah, loved us even unto death. God loved the world, and He gave His only begotten Son. And the love of God led the Messiah to come down to this world and to give Himself a ransom for many. There is love and knowledge is must be balanced. You remember what we read in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ, even Mashiach. We read there in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15. In Philippians chapter 1, we read in verse 9, And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Mashiach, the day of Christ, the day of the coming day, uh, being filled with the fruit of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, by Yeshua HaMashiach, unto the glory and praise of God. Love and knowledge are to be balanced uh, together. And so in verse 3, 4, 5, and 6, Shaul Paul emphasized the importance of love. So, concerning the things that are offered unto idols, verse 1, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puff up, but love edifieth. And if any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing, yet as he ought to know, and then he is moving into love. But, verse 3, if any man love God, the same is known of him. So, verse 3, love, the love of God is to be known of God. The strong believer need to use love towards the weak. The strong may have freedom, but the weak do not have, and therefore the Apostle Paul is emphasizing the balance that is needed with knowing and also acting in love towards others who might not have the same knowledge, those who are weak and not strong. Again, I'm just jumping all the way down a little bit later on. You will notice that the word weak is mentioned many, many times. In verse 7, the conscience is defiled by those that are weak. At the end of verse 9, don't be a stumbling block to them that are weak. At the end of verse 10, it says here, the conscience of him that is weak is emboldened. In verse 11, through thy knowledge, a weak brother will perish. And verse 12 as well, but when ye sin, so against the brethren and wound their weak conscience. So you notice, he's speaking about the necessity to act in love towards the weak. And so in verse 3, to love God is to be known by God in a practical way. God already know His own people. 
I know them, and I'll give unto them eternal life. The Corinthians were already children of God. They were believers. When they were in a not right relationship with the Lord in a practical way, that's why Paul is mentioning here in verse 3, if any man love God, the same is known. God knows whether you love God. God knows when you act in love towards one another, he's saying to the Corinthians. In verses 4 and 5, the strong know that an idol is nothing, but the weak does not know it. Notice verses 4 and 5. For though there be that are called gods, with a small g, that is idols, whether in heaven or in earth, as there be gods many and lords many, in other words, the whole world is filled with idols. The whole nations of the world worshipping idols, if they don't worship the God of the Bible and the Messiah, the Lord Jesus, the Messiah. So there be many that are called or claim to be God. Some worship the sun and the moon and the stars. Some worship Baal. Some worship Zeus. They are all sort of idols. The Corinthians had their own idols. So the earth is filled he said, even whether in heaven or in earth, there are all sorts of, in the heavenly realms, like the stars, the sun, people are worshipping the star, the moon, the other, uh, that which they claim that they are their gods. There are many. And then notice that he continues, and he says in verse 5, he said, but really, he continues, before he's getting to verse 5, he says, in verse 4, he says, but concerning Therefore, the, the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols, Paul continues and he says, We know that an idol is really nothing. They might be called gods, but they're really nothing. They're nothing. And so he continues and he says in verse 4 and 5, But as far as we're concerned, we know that an idol is nothing in the world, None other God but one. There is only one God. He is, again, the apostle Shaul Paul knows the God of his fathers, Elohei Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Messiah, Yeshua, God the Son, who took union, humanity with his divine nature. And there is only one God. Deuteronomy 6 and verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. There's only one God, the God of the creation, the God of heaven and earth, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the nation of Israel, the God and Father of our Lord Yeshua HaMashiach. Yeshua HaMashiach he is God the Son. He is one of the three persons within that one glorious God. And he is God the Son who became a man and died for the sin of this world as man and brought the Corinthians to be to receive forgiveness of sins. So Shaul Paul is saying, you know, there is only one God. There is only one God. And then in verse 5, he continues, says, For though there be that are called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, as there be gods many and lords many, he says in verse 5. So as he leads from verse 3 to verse 4 to verse 5, 
Paul is emphasizing the fact that the strong believers in Jesus the Messiah know that an idol is nothing, because there is only one God. And so Paul mentioned here, and I'm rereading verse 3, 4, and 5. But if any man love God, the same is known of him. And concerning, therefore, the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols, he's dealing with it now. He says, we know that an idol is nothing in the world, and that there is none other God but one. For though there be that are called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there be gods many and lords many. So, as far as we who know the truth, that even if someone will take an animal and say, this is for this idol, as believers who belong to the Lord, and going to the market to purchase a certain food who do not know that it was offered to anyone, there is, there is that liberty to be able to purchase and eat this because we know that idol is nothing. That was what Shaul Paul is seeking to explain to the Corinthians. But, again, there is that conscience that believers have. In fact, even today, when we are going to the store to purchase food, we do not know where this food comes from. It plays for us in a nice a package at the at meat portion of the store, and we take the meat, we take it, and we go, and we even may ask where it come from and so on. We do not know what happened, where does it come from. So, but we do know that there is only one God, and all other so-called gods, and that's why he used the word so-called, he says, they may be called by men God, they be, notice that, uh, whether in heaven or on earth, as there be gods many and lords many, but they are really called God. They are not gods. They are idols. They cannot move. They cannot say a word. In fact, Scripture is very clear in the book of Psalm in 115, it's very clear where these idols are nothing. They are made out of wood and stone, and they are nothing. They cannot move, they cannot speak, they cannot do anything. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory for thy mercy and for thy true sake. Psalm 115, verse 1. Wherefore should a heathen say, Where is now their God? And then the psalmist of Israel said, But our God is in the heaven. He has done whatsoever he has pleased. Their idols are silver and gold and work of men's hand. They have mouths, but they cannot speak. They have eyes, have, have they, they, they cannot see. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. They have feet. But they walk not, neither speak they through their throat. They that make them, notice, are like unto them, so is every one that trusted in them. O Israel, trust thou in Jehovah. He is their help and their shield. Israel, you trust in 
Yahweh, in Jehovah, in the Lord. Amazing, amazing. So Paul is seeking to instruct the Corinthians concerning this. Now, no one is called to go and specifically purchase certain food, a certain meat that was specifically said, this this is offered unto idol. Obviously not, but Paul is seeking to help the Corinthians to be wise in the way they behave, especially for the strong, how to handle and how to help the weaker believers. And so, Beloved brothers and sisters, in verse 6 we read, But to us there is but one God, the Father of whom are all things, and we in Him and one Lord, Jesus Christ, Yeshua Mashiach, by whom are all things, and we by Him. As far as the believer is concerned, to us, for the strong believer, for the believer, there is only one God and only one Lord. Only one God and only one Adon. You remember in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 6 we do read, One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. There's only one God. All other um, but man-made gods, idols. And therefore, one must know it, but now is touching things offer unto idols. Chapter 8 and verse 1. And again in verse 4. As concerning therefore the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols. Paul is emphasizing twice here. But then he says we know. We know that an idol is nothing in the world. And there is none other God but one. And so in verses 1 and 2, he emphasized, we know the knowledge that we have, the truth that we know. In verses 3 to 6, he emphasizing the importance of love that is necessary if we know it is important for us to recognize that we are to act in love. And if you remember, he did say in verse 1 at the end, but love edifies. Love edifies. And so he's emphasizing as he's moving along, showing now the importance of knowing how to handle one another in our relationship to the things that are offered unto idols. And, and so now, after he spoke about knowledge and love, now in verse 7 to 13, the Apostle Shaul Paul is emphasizing the individual conscience that every one of us have. And so notice in verse 7, he says some believers' conscience is troubled by eating food that have been offered to idols. Notice that. He says, however, there is not in every man that knowledge or that liberty of knowledge. For some with conscience for the idol... And to this hour eat it as a thing offered unto idols. And their conscience, being weak, is defiled. You see what he's saying, Paul to the Corinthians, that some have liberties to eat everything, 
because they know that there is only one God, and whatever had been happening, wherever they purchased that food, that meat, whether in the market, the ordinary market, or whether they purchased it in the local temple market, that food had been offered to idols. And for the one who knows that there is only one God and the idols has nothing, would, and therefore they have liberties, but to others their conscience has been bothering them. And beloved brothers and sisters, it's very interesting, the word conscience in Hebrew, matzpun, it's really a, an internal court. Uh, God gave us this conscience. The moment sin came into this world, conscience have come into this world to each individual. When Adam sinned by disobeying God's word in the Garden of Delight, the Garden of Eden, right there and then his conscience came unto him. The internal court judged him. Why? Because he knew he disobeyed God. And that's how the conscience have arrived to humanity. Sin brought the conscience. The conscience is that internal court, it's, a, it's like a, a buzzer that tells us whether we've done wrong or right. And the moment that Adam disobeyed God, the very same moment Adam and Eve hid themselves behind the trees, they made for themselves aprons made out of fig leaves, and they were hiding from God because their matzpun, their conscience, their internal court judged them, declared them condemned. That's why they were hiding from God. And from there on, you and I, all of us who were born as descendants of Adam Vechava, of Adam and Eve, we all have inherited this conscience. That's why when we wrong, our conscience bothers us. And we do things in secret lest anyone will know. But God knows. And he is the judge. And that's why he provided the Redeemer, the Messiah Yeshua, who died for us on the tree. And he paid for the sins that we are committed. The sin nature and the sins that came out of this sin nature. And that's why in verse 7, the week, how the apostle here said, but meat, in verse Seven, first of all, however, when are not every man that have knowledge, and some, notice that, these are the weak, some with conscience of idol unto this hour, eat it as a thing offered unto an idol. And their conscience being weak is defiled. So believers that are, don't have the same knowledge and the same growth and and the liberties, they are still convicted. In fact, many who have a lot of knowledge still have in their conscience the desire not to eat anything that has been offered to idols or anything that is unkosher, as we say it in Hebrew, lo kasher, things that are simply like pork, things that God had forbade our forefathers Israel in days of old. They still have these conscience towards it, so they are free to do so. God gave them the liberty to do so. Under the law, it was a command. God judged Israel when they violated his law. But in this present day of the age in which we live in, 
We are at liberty to eat everything, but nevertheless, for conscience sake, we all have an individual conscience. And therefore, some do not eat and some do. Same thing with keeping a day, the same thing with drinking wine, the same thing with smoking, the same thing with many other areas, voting or not voting, mixed bathing or putting makeup on and so on, um, going to the movie or not going to the movie, watching television or not watching television. These are individual things that give every one of us need the grace and the wisdom of God, what is right before the Lord and what is not. And therefore, it is always better to choose that which will honor the Lord. And so notice in verse 8, the Apostle Paul continues and he says, But meat or food commandeth us not to God, for neither if we eat are we the better, neither if we eat not are we the worse. Paul is explaining. You can eat one meat or another meat. You can eat from buying from the market or buying from the the market that came that uh, near to the local temple in Corinth. He says, really, meat or food in general does not commend you to God more or less. It's if you eat, we are not better. And if we uh, do not eat, we are not worse. Our relationship with God does not depend upon food upon meat. And that's what he's trying to emphasize here. And even that you don't know where the meat comes from, it's that if you don't eat it or yes, eating it doesn't make you worse or make you better in relationship to the Lord. Imagine how many times people, and we, we all are in danger of it, we are separating from one thing and, and yet in other areas we dishonor the Lord so much more. So, as he says, meat commendeth us not to God, for neither if we eat are we the better, neither if we eat not are we the worse. And then notice verse 9. Paul is saying, do not use your liberty to stumble the weaker brother. Verse 9, he said, but take heed. If you have liberty, don't take heed, he says. He says, lest by any means, this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. You might have liberty to eat certain food, and you might say, okay, it may be offered to idols, but idols, it's not God, it's merely a piece of wood or piece of gold or piece of uh, stone, and I have no concern about that. I'm worshiping the true and living God, and I have liberty to eat it, but he says, take heed, verse 9 that by any means don't have this liberty become a stumbling block unto the believer that are weak. And therefore it's always important to bear in mind that knowledge must be balanced with love because of the conscience of one another. He continues in verse 10, appearance may cause one to stumble and do that which... The conscience do not allow. Notice that in verse 10, If any man see thee which has knowledge, sit to eat food in an idle temple, shall not the conscience of him which is weak be emboldened to eat those things which are offered to idols? That is a very interesting uh, remark here, beloved brothers and sisters. In other words, he's really saying that if some weaker brother will see you 
eating certain food or meat that was offered to an idol by the temple somewhere there, and then so wouldn't he be conscience will be hurt and emboldened. That's very interesting. Verse 10, that word uh, emboldened in other translation, it uses violated. Conscience will be violated because of the liberty that you have, he says in verse 10. In other words, appearance may cause one to stumble. And therefore, even in appearance, we are to be careful not to give an appearance. Liberty ought not to give us license to do as we pleased. If we might have liberty on our own, we still have to be careful that we are to be sensitive to one another. This is so precious in the life of God's people when they are sensitive to one another. Walk in wisdom towards them that are without redeeming the time. Walk in wisdom. Don't be careless. And so as he's closing this portion of First Corinthians chapter 8, beloved brothers and sisters, if one have knowledge, do not use it carelessly. In verse 11, And through thy knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ, the Messiah, died. In the book of Romans, in chapter 14, Paul dealt with the same issues, a little bit different there with days and drinking wine or, or keeping days in Romans chapter 14. And then in verse 21, we read, It is good neither to eat flesh, nor to drink wine, nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth, or is offended, or is made weak. In other words, be careful. Be wise. Be sensitive. We all need that towards one another, even though we might have liberties and knowledge that others might not have as yet. And therefore, beloved brothers and sisters, as we close this 8th chapter, 1 Corinthians 8, verses 12 and 13, the apostle closed this chapter by saying, Do not sin in, in wronging the weak brother, and seek not to offend your Brother, and I'm reading verses 12 and 13. But when ye sin so against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, ye sin against the Messiah, against Christ. Wherefore, if meat make my brother to offend, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend. So you notice, by the way, in verses 12 and 13, he's speaking about the weak. He's speaking to the strong concerning the weak. In this 8th chapter, in verse 7, in verse 9, in verse 10, in verse 11 and 12, these verses use the word the weak, the weak, the weak, the weak. And therefore to, be, to recognize that within the assembly, within the body of Christ, there is the weak and there is the strong. And therefore the weak is the one that need the help from the strong. And if you think that you are strong, be sensitive to them that are weak and the strong. One need to help them in every situation. Now that does not mean that now the weak is to control the life of the strong. And the one that have knowledge and liberty? No. But in their presence, 
whenever as much as possible we can seek to be sensitive towards one another. But there are times that one have the liberties to do without to offend anyone and he or she should not be controlled by the weak. The weak does not control the strong. Otherwise, one will have no liberties whatsoever because they are, the decision on how to walk with the Lord will be decided by the weak believer. No, but the strong believer, the spiritual believer, the, the one that are guided by the Lord and are walking with the Lord, they are to be sensitive to the things of the Lord. And so to conclude, I'm reading Romans 14, verse 21. And listen to this. It is good neither to eat flesh, nor to drink wine, nor anything whereby thy brother stumble, or offended, or is made weak. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in the thing which he allows. And he that doubt is condemned, if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. In Romans 15, 1 says, We then that are strong are to bear the infirmity of the weak and not to please ourselves. Spiritual maturity, spiritual walk with the Lord is balance. Knowledge must be balanced by love towards the, our brothers and sisters in the Lord Yeshua HaMashiach. Well, beloved brothers and sisters, until the next time, as we will enter into First Corinthians chapter 9 and 10, Shaul Paul will continue to emphasize the necessity to have that balance in our walk with the Lord. First Corinthians chapter 8 dealt with the necessity to understand that our knowledge of the things of the Lord must be balanced by love towards one another. Well, God bless you. Until the next time, we say to you all, Shalom, Shalom. You have been listening to the Holy Scriptures and Israel with Gideon Levitam. Gideon teaches God's Word from a Hebrew Messianic perspective. For more information about this ministry, write to Holy Scriptures and Israel, Box 1411, Niagara-on-the-Lake, Ontario, L0S1J0, or visit our website at holyscripturesandisrael.com. You are also invited to Gideon's weekly Bible teaching, on Fridays at 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. and Saturdays at 1 p.m. at Willowdale Christian Assembly Hall, 28 Martin Ross Avenue in Toronto. Holy Scriptures and Israel is made possible by your prayers and financial support. If you would like to support the program, visit holyscripturesandisrael.com. God bless you. Shalom, shalom. <laughs>